Xbox One Two Three Sixty. A new day is dawning for DX. And now your hosts, Sean Xbox Wolfman. Welcome to Xbox One Two Three Sixty, everybody. <laughs> I changed it up there a little bit. Usually I say everyone. This time I said everybody. So, all right. All the bodies. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, this is the second take of this <laughs> podcast opening because, yeah, I got distracted. And so I wanted to do it again. So, I would say an airplane caused an echo. Eh, That's what I'll say. I should be able to handle a distraction. Anyways, so thank you for tuning in as... Uh, a lot of you do uh, always. Uh, we're not going to have a guest today. I decided. Um, I decided last night. Eh, no, was, I mean there was a tentative guest lined up. Uh, a couple of them, and I just like there's there's plenty to talk about, and I kind of just don't feel like doing it. You know, um, end up conversation like like that. Like We've I been going do. back and forth with yeah. some guests, no guests. I kind of like that. Yeah, and. Okay, here's the thing about it, too, is, and it's weird, because there's episodes that, uh, with no guest, that have way bigger numbers than some episodes with guests that you would think, you know, were, you know, would be a draw, you know, a, a, a podcast draw, <laughs> a podcast listener viewer draw. A, a get. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, no, some, some, it's weird that way. So I just, you know, I just decided, okay, um, sometimes we're not going to do guests and we're just going to, you know, talk about what's up. And, and, uh, you know, most of the time it turns out pretty good. Yeah. So, and, uh, and also, uh, had a pretty good weekend. Um, uh, some good news around the house that I can't talk about yet, but, hmm. um, Actually, and it's it's not even good news for me. It's good news for my girlfriend. So uh, yeah, it's like if I tell everyone, like they're probably going, eh, "This is a wrestling podcast, <laughs> not a TV sitcom podcast." But uh, no, but we got a new house guest, and uh, and her name is Betsy, and she's a white pit bull. She's like about three years old, uh, and um, she's just beautiful. Um, and uh, we're, we're fostering her from from Angel City Pits until someone uh, someone worthy can can adopt her, and uh, and it's it's a real joy. Yeah, you know. Uh, and so we did this with with one um, with with a few, but it's but like the last one we did it with was uh, was Cosmo, and Cosmo has a wonderful home now, and and another dog that he's just. You know, they just love each other. They they sleep with each other. Like, and you know, they have a great life now. And Cosmo couldn't even like, you know, he was so timid and skittish. Like, like he wasn't ready to be adopted. And we had him for a few weeks, and like, we got him acclimated to, you know, hey, people aren't going to hurt me, you know. And it's amazing. I see the photos and the pictures from the lady that that adopted Cosmo now, and it's one of the cooler things like that. That you know, in life for me these days, because life is, uh, you know, um, when when you when you have the life I've had, like it's really easy to uh, to not get pleasure out of normal things in life, simple things in life, and I've gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm, I'm what I'm trying to say is these are the things that are great. 
in mm. life for me. Now, these are the experiences and the things that I do that make me happy. Uh, not like, uh, you know, I need to get a Lambo or I need to get that or, you know, it, not all that shit that used to be kind of cool and, and important to me. So, uh, yeah, no, um, these are the things that, that are great to me. And, you know, waking up in a nice, like, comfortable bed with, you know, 20,000 thread count sheets and, like, just and having good people and, and in your life surrounding you and not, you know, um, and then I got to go on Twitter and fuck it all up. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say you should do an episode of Sean's favorite things like Oprah yes. does, but on on our podcast, yeah. I think that would be pretty funny. Yeah, so just and and cook. I like to cook. I'm all day long, and the fucking kitchen is open at my house. What's your uh, best dish? Anything, anything. Mostly like um, mostly red meat. I'm a red meat mm. cooker. I eat that shit every day. Um, I throw, I put a roast in the crock pot with some potatoes and carrots and onions and celery and some McCormick pot roast seasoning, and let that shit cook overnight. And it's, you know, but that's it's easy. You know, um, I've been cooking a lot of pancakes lately. Really? Yeah, which goes against my like, you know, um, um, you know, I've been trying to stick to a paleo, not so much keto, but definitely mm-hmm. like a paleo diet. And uh, and these kind of go against that, but they're so fucking good. What is a paleo diet? Sorry, it's I'm not just don't not as many carbs. Diets. Like it's basically like like just like whole foods, not so many carbs, more fat, more protein, uh, and it's just it's it's eliminating the processed foods, a lot of the foods with allergens in them. Like there's like nuts, like, like, or like peanuts. Like I don't eat peanut butter, but I love peanut butter. So now what I have is uh, sunflower butter. And I don't know if you've ever had it, but it blows peanut butter out of the fucking water. You gotta try it. That's a big statement because I love <laughs> peanut butter. I can't fucking imagine amazing. anyone blowing it out of the water. Yes, and even like so, I before before I found the sunflower butter, I switched to uh, like almond and cashew butter, and and which I like. But then when I found the sunflower butter, I don't want I don't want to fuck with almond butter and not, none of it. Like the sunflower butter is is the best. You gotta try it. Um, we need to get you a sunflower butter sponsorship. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I'll, for I'll sure. Look into it. Um, oh, so where was I? Uh, the little things that you really like in life that yeah, give you but thrills. Like, where, but why was I talking about fucking You were talking about your butter? weekend. Or you were talking about your weekend, but that you cook stuff and that, you, that you're that you eating a paleo diet. Oh, yeah, the paleo diet, yeah. So, you know, pancakes. So there's keto pancakes. There's, like, some paleo pancakes and different things like that. And And they also have, like... 15 grams of protein per serving, you know, like, uh, so there are these ones called Kodiak cakes and they're full of like, they're just regular ass pancakes that I shouldn't be eating, but, um, they have like chocolate with like little pieces of dark chocolate in them. They got, uh, they got these cinnamon oat pancakes. I mean, uh, and oh, what's the other one? Oh, almond poppy seed, which the pancakes are like almond poppy seed muffins. Unbelievable. Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. 
It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. I didn't even know there was this much variety of pancakes. All I know is like, like what the Aunt Jemima brand. That's like literally all I know. Yes, and so a lot of these pancakes cake mixes now you don't have to put eggs in them you just add some water and I like, like my that sound you're googling effect. pancakes right now Steve I'm also, I'm also we haven't even talked about wrestling yet everyone <laughs> I so, mean pancakes that the new day we're on, we're, yeah. we're on test alright so okay enough about pancakes <laughs> enough about me cooking at home I was thinking about doing some cooking you know uh, video content you, you know? should that would be very different and also I'm going to get this GoPro <laughs> There's this GoPro Hero 7 Black camera mm-hmm. that Lagana was telling us about. I think I'm going to get that, you know, for vlogging and shit like that. I want to go, like, bring it camp, or not camping, I don't fucking go, hiking. <laughs> There's so many great hiking spots, and uh, I would like to vlog from there. Especially here. There's so many yes. of them. Yeah. This is, like, the, I don't know, the mecca of It's incredible. Of Holy <laughs> shit. Like, I get in, I go to a new one, and I'm like, eh, I got these old favorites of mine. I don't want to go to a new one. And then I go to the new one. I'm like, oh, my God. I can't believe it took so long to come to this one. Anyways. All right, Denise. <laughs> All right, well, take, take hell, take the helm. <laughs> take it, okay, taking it away. So, unfortunately, I'm kind of starting off with not so very great news. Last week, we had Conrad Thompson on, who was talking <laughs> about Starcast, talking about the roast of Ric Flair. Prior to that, we had Ron Funches on. So, literally, we've been talking about this for for weeks now about the upcoming roast of Ric Flair. And unfortunately, there has been some not so very good news. Unfortunately, Ric Flair is apparently no longer going to be at Starcast. It hasn't been confirmed yet by Starcast themselves but everybody everybody has basically been reporting that because of his health and his recent surgery that he had yesterday it's not looking like it's the safest smartest thing to travel from his home in Atlanta over to Las Vegas yes okay so you're talking about um, the um, the not so great aspect of this but let's focus on the good part true rick flair is alive and he's going to be okay yeah. and that there's nothing that uh that is more important than that and nate everybody loves you uh and uh hopefully uh at some point in the future the uh, the roast of nature boy rick flair will happen i can't imagine it not it could be a standalone event and you know um i doesn't even have to be a part of starcast it could happen at Caesars. Anywhere. The main room in Caesars, on pay, also on pay-per-view, also on Fight yes. TV, whenever he's ready. Absolutely. So, um, we all love you, Nate. And it was scary for a bit. Like, the prior to when this news first broke, I just remember seeing all the headlines from Bleacher Report, TMZ, you know, saying that, you know, Ric Flair was not doing well, and this was very serious. And I remember seeing that, I think it was the day after or two days after our show, and I was just like, this can't be happening. So it got really scary at at, at a certain point. And, and, you know, and look, I get this from the the websites, the news sites, point of view, TMZ even, or whatever. Everyone wants to have the scoop and they want to be the first one with the story and and all that. But, like, I think some, like, maybe not so accurate info, like, comes out, you know, just for the sake of, like, oh, I got the scoop. We were the first one, you know. 
Or like the the all Come the on. info anyone had was that he went to the yeah. he went to the hospital. He's Rick Fla- he's Rick Flair's age. That's not actually 70, news. Yeah, yeah like, that's not actually news yet. But they all they all wanted to have a salacious headline yeah. so much so that I was pointing it out that being on the West Coast and sleeping in some some weekdays, I was able to avoid this entire thing. Were you? Because by the time I saw saw the news around one or two p.m., Comrade had already been like, "No, he was planning on having." He was planning on having some health stuff. He'll be fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, because all I saw was literally some outlets were just posting a picture and then just like a sentence. And it didn't even link to an article or anything because they just had the, I need to get this up fast and I need to get the hits and all the yes. right now. And yes. I, I saw it and I was like, what, what, other, what other information is there on here? And I was just waiting, you know, for my old reliable sources, like to, for like websites that I personally follow to see what they wrote. And it wasn't until they put their stuff out where I was like, okay, now I'm informed of what's happening. But prior to that, I was like, what is happening here? Mm. <laughs> it's frustrating. And, and I and I get it though. Like at the same time, I'm trying not to be like, you know, like I'm trying not to be too condemning, like over all of that. But like, just that that that's the way everything is. It, it bothers me. Yeah, it felt you a little know? clickbaity. Yeah, and and look, hey, so there's been, and in in these days, like when you do video content and you put content up and all of that, there has to like to get people to to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be, to some degree, like some clickbaitiness. Like it's just to what degree, you well, know? Like I mean, how fucking ridiculous do we have to get with it? As someone who, and I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about no, you're in general. talking in general. And yeah. as someone who's has to write some salacious titles to get people to click. So you know one, what I mean. The one solace I take is it. It's not clickbait if you deliver. If it's blah 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 talks about blah blah blah, you didn't, you delivered on that. Blah 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 talked about blah blah blah. Is has how I always see it from an SEO standpoint. I consider that it's still clickbait, but it's not clickbait and switch. Yes, well, I think, I think, yeah, like, I'm okay with clickbait in the yeah. sense that I wrote something to bait you into accurate. clicking. Yeah, accurate clickbait. It's whereas clickbait and switch is yeah. something I try my damnedest to not do in any of the endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing. Another thing. Hey, so is, so everyone like listening to Steve Kaufman now. He's got endeavors like YouTube channels that he runs. <laughs> so like, just if anyone's like, what kind of fucking endeavors Sorry, are you yes. talking about? So yeah. So Steve has plenty of endeavors. Multiple, multiple clips that are probably on your browse font, on your like five videos to yeah. the right of this video, or so and so shoots on so and so. I might be involved in that video, and I. Another, so when I when I see that fucking oh well, let's go there. Yeah. So, anyways, on my wow, yeah, we're gonna have plenty to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> on my video, on my YouTube channel, uh, so Steve's like everyone's like all the video clips that get all the hits and the most hits are always like worded so and so shoots on so and so, and I just I hate when people fucking talk like that. I hate it. So I was like, Steve, I don't want that on my fucking videos. But I think it hurts my number of uh, views because people want to see someone shooting on someone else. Like, there. I mean, that's what, like, that's the... It's Whatever. If I well, get no. less fucking views because no one's shooting on somebody else on my fucking um, me clips, and whatever. Me and Brian Heffron Blue Meanie were talking about this on Twitter a couple months ago where he, he also hates it. I also hate it as a term. My only, 
issue is if you put a word in a title on YouTube, you're competing with every video that's using that word. So if you use any common word to talk about someone talking about someone something else, you're competing with a large swath of interview content, a large swath of just content. Whereas if wrestling has so many words that are very specific that you can use shoots on it, it will actually limit who your competition is. Okay. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. Yeah, but yeah, and whatever. I've, but you I know do. what? We, you have there's the, we're in a system. We're operating in a system, and you have to do the best uh, within the parameters of that or mm-hmm. the rules of that system. So like, we can bitch about it, but oh, yeah. that's the way things are. Anyways, what else? All right, so moving on, Double or Nothing is this weekend, May 25th in Las Vegas. And unfortunately, there has been a match that has been removed from the card and has, in fact, already taken place. It was Pac versus Hangman Page. So apparently, Dave Meltzer noted that Pac takes his status as world champion with Dragon Gate very seriously and has agreed to not do any losses and has actually been doing like a lot of draw finishes with like Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr. in order to get around this and not actually losing so apparently he had creative differences with AEW and I'm assuming they couldn't come up with something that Pac felt you know went along with what he's been doing so that match is no longer happening on Double or Nothing but I think they already uploaded it or they said they were they already uploaded onto uh, AEW's web- YouTube website? Correct. Correct. Uh, YouTube.com yeah. slash all wrestling. Mm. There you go. So that has already been uploaded there instead. Uh, I guess Pac agreed to do it that way instead of actually having it happen on the pay-per-view itself. Interesting that this... <sighs> Look, I know AEW is... is isn't Okay, hasn't even had its first show yet, right? It's coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... That's a pro- that that's the potential problem with people not being exclusive. I mean, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, um, but I okay, I can understand like okay, Dragon Gate. Oh, hey, we don't want you losing on you know everyone's fucking streaming service or TV show or pay per view. Like if you're a champion, they are a little bit like you know, and especially in the past, J- Japanese promotions have been like that. Like, I remember having to have some DQ finish with Sabu first time I wrestled him because, like, I was, you know, uh, F, I was just going for, for New Japan mm-hmm. and Sabu was a FMW guy. Like, he was one of their heavyweight main event stars and I was, like, a New Japan junior. So, and that was back before the internet was like it is now, where everyone would there know was about no it. Internet. Yeah, like it would. There was no internet. They were just 90. doing that because they wanted to, like. Yeah, this was 1993. Like there was, pretty sure there was nothing like, uh, nothing even close to uh, an internet like there is now. Um, yeah, there was online. You could but dial like, up fucking you know modem and all that shit. But, but for them to want to protect Sabu even yeah. then, even in nineteen ninety three in a world that yeah, not to get all bogged yeah, down yeah. in the old story, but like so, so I kind I I get it, but look, um, this. I, and I don't want to spec. I don't want to like talk about rumors and like. But I mean, I did hear that it wasn't even about uh, Page. Page. Yeah, I heard it was like a future uh, plan they had that that wasn't uh, that wasn't something to do with Kenny Omega. But like, what? This is all just shit that I've read. And I, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to delve into it too much because I don't want to start like 
overanalyzing something that might not even be true, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of, do you think anyone here is to blame? Because, you know, both AEW and Pac seem to have both legitimate reasons as to why they would, obviously, AEW wants to have creative control of what they're putting on their content, but also Pac does have a, a reason in terms of, this is known in Japan, this is a thing, so why would AEW challenge that? So I kind of feel like they both have AEW's, some legitimate reasons. Well, well AEW... Um, shouldn't have to uh, book. Shouldn't have to book around like what some other promotion. Like he ain't been. We gotta make sure it's okay with you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't. I, I. I don't know. I like from a product standpoint. From a product standpoint, what AEW I'm fucking is derping right now. Like, what a- I, I derp or derp. I can't even fucking come up with a. An intelligent so what do you think, analysis of this. So I guess in all in all, what do you think should be done? Should there be exclusive contracts all in all with everybody not work with other well, people that are working not with other necessarily, promotions? Not necessarily because like I don't think that this is going to be a, an issue with other people. Honestly, I just have a feeling this is kind of a night like, all right, but okay, here's the thing about booking a match. When you're booking a pay-per-view or a TV match, well, mainly a, a pay-per-view match, um, even like long-term, like you don't book the match without having the finish already. You don't go like, okay, this sounds like a great match on paper. Let's book it and then throw it out there and not have already fucking decided, okay, well, who's going over? And is that like, and are both, both parties you know, down mm-hmm. for that? And getting all that out of the way. You go like that's how it works when it's done right. But that was the first match booked for AEW for Double or Nothing yeah. was this match that they're now to a certain extent not delivering on because it's not happening at Double or Nothing. I, you know, I I actually appreciate what AEW is saying by not airing this match on Double or Nothing or doing it at Double or Nothing by saying we're not doing this isn't what you should expect of us. This isn't the booking you should expect of us. All everyone you're seeing at Double or Nothing is the future of AEW wrestling, and this is what AEW wrestling is. Yeah. And a time limit draw or a DQ finish or yeah. a finish where Pac has to win because Pac has to win. We don't want to put that on our main show. I actually just checked the last time Neville or Pac has lost Enzo. clean Enzo in 2017. Yeah. Wow. Huh. <laughs> so maybe that's. Maybe that's yeah, part like, of it that he. He's like, after that one, he's like, fuck it, no more jobs. So now it makes me wonder when you talk about what, you know, not just throwing a match, you know, because it sounds good on paper, but already having an idea. So now it makes me wonder if there was a certain idea pitched to Pac or if there was that he agreed to or if there was a change. Like, what happened there? Was there a disconnection? Did they never, did they just book the match? Like, what I don't happened? know. Mm. I don't know. And it could be, look. This is a new company. These guys, all these guys that are doing creative on on this, like they're like they don't have like you know years of matchmaker booking, writing experience, whatever you want to fucking yeah. call it. We call it booking um, experience and no like little like of the old rules like that you know we have figured out like through trial and error. Such as the one I just said, like you don't book the match without having to fucking finish already, and mm. everyone agreeing to it. Like that way, there's no confusion, and no one's like, you know, um, a day of the show. Oh, what do you mean I'm doing the job? You know, like everything is ideally that's how you do it, and you know it might be just something that they. 
I don't even know. Like they might already. Who knows? There might have been an agreement. Like, and then things changed. Um, but he was not like Pac was the he was the Dragon Gate champion before like the press conference, right? When the yeah. match was made. So yeah, I don't know. So that's where we're all just speculating be. here. Right. And any pretty much anyone else, like I know, like okay. You know, you got a lot of that information from Melter, right? Right. And so, like, he's got the inside track on a lot of that, but a lot of, a lot of websites and that are just going by, you know, they're just commenting on shit they read. And, mm-hmm. You know, maybe they have sources too or whatever, but what they know. think based on what Melter yeah. said is a, just, is a lot of it. Yeah. I call um, those the copy and paste websites. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a, a me joke. Uh, I'd rather just use like. There's no way like we're gonna get to the bottom of something right. better than like Dave or or Wade Keller or like you know anybody else we talk to. You know, right? But that's part of what our Nick podcast Houseman. is, though, is the conversation yeah. about things that are going on in yeah. wrestling being reported so I'll by just other assume, people. Yeah. So I just assume we we uh, reference news that they do because they do a great job at that. And we're not, the, we're, I'm not I'm, I comment on the news. I don't fucking report it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. You don't break it. You're talking about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also remember when this story broke Saturday, there was a lot of talk because it was just Meltzer saying it. Uh, uh-huh. AW wasn't saying anything. Um, Pac wasn't saying anything. Paige wasn't saying anything. That There was a lot of talk Saturday when the story broke by Dave Meltzer that they're like, it's, did AEW find a way to make Dave Meltzer do the work for them? I don't that know. they're trying to build like a week out, it felt like they were trying to build intrigue for a match seven days out that were like, oh, and they hey. who's gonna Pac doesn't want to do the job, he might not do the job, but then they actually aired the match and everything. Everything went as Dave Meltzer said it would. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, unfortunate. Not it's it's less than ideal. Uh it was one of the, you know, marquee matches, but so hey. Is there any talk of who you replace? Nobody's been mentioned Pac yet, with. but there. But Paige is still going to have a match, though. Yeah, but I just got, there has to be like some kind of suitable replacement. Uh. And you know, so you know how I told you uh, just a little bit ago. Okay, there's um, certain rules when you know matchmaking and booking, and like um, another one is an old one, and uh, it's pretty much. Always followed. You never beat the substitute. You never beat the guy, like because that's mm. what everyone like is looking for. Like, oh, this is a, you know, the guy, the substitute. Like, okay, for instance, um, and you always got to give them a substitute that's equal or better than the. So I'm trying to think of who the fuck are they going to get, right? Because uh, it has to be someone of comparable like name value. John, it has to be John Moxley is the is the rumor. Yeah, but okay. Like, so then he, he you wins. can ah you fucking right he does, fucking a right. Yeah, you uh, yes. So I mean that was I I thought about that and then um, I don't know like I mean maybe they could get you know some they can you know work a deal with somebody and somebody on loan or you know I I'm just you're just trying to come up with something. You know, and I think that I think they will. I think they will. I think, too. I think they will, and they, I think they will deliver. And who knows? It might turn out even better than what was originally planned. And maybe Pac shows up after all. 
either way, I still think that he's going to work with the company in the future yeah. because of the way things were left. Yeah. It's always the, something where he can come back and maybe mm-hmm. work with them down the line once they can agree on certain things. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Well, moving on, Money in the Bank was this Sunday. And I got to say, it was a pretty good pay-per-view. A lot yeah. of things happened. Some very shocking things happened. But some of the highlights, let's just go ahead and start it off um, with Bailey winning the Money in the Bank and then defeating Charlotte to win the SmackDown Women's title. What did you guys think about that? Um, I liked it. Yeah. Um, it caught me off guard, I, I guess. You know, um, I just kind of expect it. And this is, and it's good. When you catch me off guard, that's a great thing. Because if you caught me off guard, you caught, mm-hmm. you, I'm pretty sure you caught everyone else. Yeah. Party. So, uh, you know, those are the types of things that make wrestling great. It's like when you get those, holy shit, oh, fuck, you know, like, um, yeah, that was the most, you know, I was I was happy for Bailey because she's there's been some struggles concerning, like, how she's been used. But she's been hanging on there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and well-deserved. And and I love the whole, like, I, did I talk about last week how I liked the fact that Be- Becky was defending both titles? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of knew she wasn't going to, I knew she was going to leave with only one of them. I kind of figured that. Um, so, um, honestly, I was kind of surprised they had Lacey do the tapping. Like, I thought maybe Charlotte might, I don't know why I thought that, but yeah. it's just, goddamn, they've been shoving Lacey Evans so fucking much lately. I just figured, you know, they would push her even further. Or they would make her look a little stronger than yeah. just tapping out. But that but was I the think... right way to do it. Yeah, I well, I, I then, totally agree with it. I just I'm surprised they did it. Well, because then the question becomes, what do we do? Like, where, what do you do with Lacey Evans? And I think what they're saying is because Lacey Evans cost Becky Lynch the other belt, that allows Becky Lynch to continue to feud with her without yeah, having, fun. like, while having beaten her handedly. Yep. And then it gets Charlotte Flair away from Becky Lynch, which yep. is something you desperately need to do yep. to keep that I pairing, was really to keep well that pairing fresh. Yeah. Yeah, I loved how all of that worked out where they ended up basically separating them and all of that. Um, One of the things I do want to point out was that, you know, Lacey did pretty good in this match. Honestly, everything that she did was done how I guess it was supposed to. Like, there wasn't any, like, it wasn't sloppy. It was fine, you know? And I think that had you told us this, like, long, long time ago with our first impression that we got of Lacey, I would have said, like, I don't think so. But honestly, I was pretty impressed by her. And honestly, as every week that goes by, I am liking what she's doing more and more, you know? Yes. Yeah, I do. I get it. And, um, And I get why Vince likes her. Totally, because I, I, knowing Vince, I guess fucking obviously like that he's gonna push her. <laughs> it's just you know, I mean, seventy-some year old dude, and and it, I mean, it, you can't how you can't so, whatever. I think <laughs> we all see it. We all but see the, it. <laughs> but I see it beyond. Oh, Vince is pushing that. Like I see her as a character. There's I value. Can get behind. Yeah, there's value there. I get it. I get it. Yeah, and I think it works out, you know, pretty pretty hilariously, especially right now with everything that's going on in politics. You know, she has her, her woman's right, and then you mm-hmm. have Becky the man. So it, it kind of plays into that. There's, like, subtle subtle, sure. subtle hints about what's going on in real life and yep. what's going on there. So, yeah, pretty interesting. All right, so moving on, one of the matches that I thought we should definitely talk about, which was Seth Rollins defeating AJ Styles and retaining the Universal title. 
Um, can, this match was just amazing. I absolutely loved it. What did you guys think? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was about what I expected. And I mean, to, I don't mean to say that in like a dismissive way. It was about what I expected. and I expected greatness. Uh, um, did they ever, ever once have a match like somewhere? Right? Like, like it was. I think it was. They were talking about it like fifteen years ago. Yeah, like they were that? talking about it in promos that it was yeah. while they were both on while Seth Rollins was Tyler Black and pretty young, and AJ Styles was both TNA but the Indies. Yeah. they did face off like once. What I personally really liked about this match is that, you know, in a lot of matches that AJ has had, well, a few matches that he's had with other opponents, I've always felt like AJ kind of had to slow down. He really couldn't go the full pace that he's accustomed to working with certain guys. And I felt that in his match with Seth Rollins, like, he didn't have to do that. Like, Seth really kept up with him. I don't know why, but... And I I really thought they're... I I like their... Don't mean to cut you off there, but the... the, um, I like the the amount of creativity they showed and like some of the the stomp the into the Styles Clash. That, stuff, I, that yeah. was my favorite part. I was yeah. just like, yes, thank you. That's exactly what I want to see. Things like that. Yeah, it's it's all about great matches are all about things like that that you think you're gonna see one thing and whoa, they fucking do. You know, whoops, sorry, not today. You know, or you know, it's just you think you're taking a left and they go right or I it. They clicked. That's what I said. Yes. That was my wording. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they kicked. They clicked. It felt natural. Like I felt what I was seeing was was it meshed very well. It built. It built beautifully. And you know, it wasn't okay as they're building. There was nothing like that that prevented the flow of the match to keep flowing the way it was. Like it's it's, it's hard to explain sometimes. You know, uh, oh, fuck yeah. I get a, I get frustrated because. You know, there's things I want to explain about a match, and and I'm pretty good about it. Like I'm pretty good about articulating these things, but sometimes it's really hard to get people to understand like the things that I see in a match. So, but I try. <laughs> Bear with me, folks. Well, like you always say, it's the little stuff. There you go. All right, and moving on, which I would guess would probably be maybe the biggest highlight or maybe the biggest shock of the night, which was Brock Lesnar being the final entrant in the Money in the Bank and winning the Money in the Bank. Surprise, (laughs) surprise, surprise. That was my um, uh, fucking Gomer Pyle impression. Does anybody know who Gomer Pyle is? Denise is like, no, who the fuck is that? (laughs) I was just trying to hide in the background. I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, We won't get into it. Um, I I really like this because they're, I don't know, just something about Brock Lesnar being such a unique character and being a very laissez-faire, do-as-he-pleases kind of a character Makes him a natural face for everyone. So okay, why did he? Why was it okay that he just fucking strolled down at the very end? And is it, what's the explanation? The fact that he's just Brock Lesnar. Well, the explanation. The explanation Paul Heyman gave the next night was that he curried not curried favor, but he used a strong arm negotiation tactic with the WWE to renegotiate Brock Lesnar's contract. And part of renegotiating the contract was to get him that eighth spot. So he was a legal participant in the match. Versus just a guy turning up and grabbing a briefcase that's there. Part of me wants to wants them to explore that version of of all ladder matches. Is that's just by virtue of a ladder match, you're just putting the thing up there for anyone to go and get it. 
and Brock Lesnar just works. What I like is they're making him a monster heel by telling the story that he, as Universal Champion, was holding the business ransom. And now, as Money in the Bank, he's as the Money in the Bank holder, he's again holding the business ransom as a part timer who really will go wherever he wherever he feels like, wherever he pleases. So at any time, when when the fucking champ is out there and they're finished with the match or what, whatever, like like champs out there in a vulnerable position for some reason, like you never know when Brock will fuck come through yep. the curtain with the briefcase, mm-hmm. right? And it feels. Like, Money in the Bank always felt automatic, but this will feel the most automatic because he's Brock Lesnar. I think that'll make... I'm mixed feelings on this. So Uh, did you see it coming? No. No. And those guys... So... I would not blame anyone in that match for fucking being pissed off. That they had no idea that... If that's true, like, and you put this match together, you're out there, you're risking your fucking neck... You know, you're doing all this shit. You got this fucking finish. You think it's go? It's trust me. When you're a rest, when you're doing that, when you do this, when you're a pro wrestler and you're in a match, and like this is like your fucking canvas that you're painting your mm-hmm. masterpiece on. You're trying for a masterpiece every time you go out there. You're trying for a Mona Lisa or. You know, or some kind of fucking, you know, you understand right. yeah. the analogy I'm making here, right? Right. And then, like, you just about finished, and all of a sudden, you had no idea, and this fucking guy comes out and just comes and paints a mustache on the fucking Mona Lisa. I don't know if that's a good analogy no, that's either. No, that's a great analogy. But it's just like, okay, like, even if I knew that was going to happen, I don't know if I'd be too happy about it, but, like, being that this is the like we're out here, we're all out here fucking risking our lives and 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 let's be let's let's make one thing clear. Let's not fucking uh let's not think that um people aren't out there risking their lives because you know, um like some of the spots Finn took. Oh. Yeah, or and just like look at the things the things in the news recently, people going out for a match and not making it back alive. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can see where, you know, uh, some of the guys in that match were pissed. So I guess if they were. And I assume that they weren't too happy about that. For the people that don't know what we're talking about, which the rumor that we've heard is that none of the guys going into this match knew that Brock Lesnar was going to be a part of it and win. And apparently they all thought that Ali was going to go yeah. over and win this match. And even like in hindsight, looking at this, I remember when Ali came out, I was telling you this earlier, he just came out with this, yeah, like, this more glow, energy. Right? Yeah. yeah, so I'm thinking, imagine you're going in thinking you're going to win and this is your moment. And then I mean, it Let's happen. look at that a little bit further with him. So, he's in line for this big push. It was supposed to be him at WrestleMania, you know, for the, for the WWE title versus Daniel Bryan, right? Mm-hmm. He gets concussion. He can't, he can't do it. He loses out on that. Boom, there's Kofi. Boom, you know, the Kofi gets the big, and great for Kofi. Uh, and, and, and honestly, like, to me, that's how things were supposed to work out. Like mm-hmm. I'm a believer in things working out how they were supposed to, for the most part. Um, uh, but Ali handled it like a champ. You know, he was happy for Kofi. He's, you know, he's a team player. Like he also knows that you know he worked hard. Like you know, like 
you know, like the hopefully the ship will come back, mm-hmm. you know, the the bus will come back to the station. Um, so then, okay, he thinks, okay, this is, and we get another break now. We're going to win the money in the bank, da 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 da. Once again, like, psych, not today. Can you understand how that guy might be a little fucking frustrated? I completely understand that. That like that's, and that's okay. Yeah, I. It's okay. He's still a team player. He's still like everything's I, cool, whatever. But, but you're allowed. You're hurt. allowed to have feelings, and you're allowed to feel any kind of way you want about anything. I I applaud as long as you're like just keep doing your job. You know, show up with a good attitude. Assuming he, assuming no one told him what the match finish actually was. He had enough time to actually grab that briefcase because the the shocker that actually because he was him, late getting down there, right? Yeah. No, well, because the did it not seem like he was a little fucking late getting down there, Brock? I mean, a little because he already I, had his hands on the goddamn briefcase. Well, because he had to react to the music. Ali had to react to the music and not grab the briefcase because the music happened, which makes him look like it's dumb babyface syndrome. Where it's like, what music? Where it's like, no, get the. <laughs> You just fought for you just fought for nineteen yeah. minutes to get that. That was briefcase. the one thing I didn't notice about that was like he was just a tad bit late coming through the curtain. Yeah, that his music and him and Brock Lesnar's music and Brock Lesnar running needed to be instantaneous and they weren't. So it it led to Ali, who at this point I have to hope knew that that was the finish or knew quickly once he heard Brock Lesnar's music that was going to be the finish yeah. to not grab that briefcase because that would have. Because that would have been something that he would have... Would you think that's something that the referee would have told him like ahead of time? Or something that, you know, he had to figure out for himself? I have no idea. I'm going to I'm going to make an assumption that maybe like the ref did mention it once he was on his way to the ring. I don't know. Mm. I, don't, I don't fucking know. But that doesn't seem unreal. unrealistic that they told him up until him climbing the ladder. That he's yeah, winning the match. And I then can see that. Vince says Brock's going over while yeah. he's climbing oh, the ladder. Oh, no, I've been involved with, like, they've sent word out, like, while he's in the ring, I'll do that again. Mm. You know, that spot would look like shit. Do it again. Right in the middle of the fucking match. How and does then that you make do you feel when you're out there and you have to, like, redo something you get or used change to something? It. You get used to it. At first, it bucks you all up. But then it's like, okay, you know, the when you're not on live TV, it's okay. Scott Hall was one of the best at it. Mm. If the guy, Especially if the guy fucked it up. Scott would just look at the camera and go, take two. <laughs> and he would fucking do the same thing again, right in front of everybody. And then they would have an editing point, and that, yep. that would be it. And, uh, and yeah, you would never know when you watch the match. But on live television, I could just imagine for maybe a guy that doesn't have That's, that much experience, no, it could be, like, yeah, yeah. nerve-wracking, you know? But I don't know. That's just the thought. Yeah. So I'm not all the way down on on how that, on how that uh, played out. But a lot of people... That I have a lot of respect for. Um, we're really not happy about that, and they and they are the type of people like that really invest a lot into watching wrestling. Like a lot of comedians I know mm-hmm. like, it, that are smart, that are writers themselves, that write you know shows in Hollywood and uh, know how like shit works. Right? You know, oh, yeah. as far as writing, like so because I mean. I mean, let's. WWE has writers now. It's not just a booking team. Really. They have yep. actual TV show writers. And, you know, it's. So. I don't know. But I think. Now I'm just kind of babbling. No, but I th- there's, there's a point to be made about Money in the Bank. What Money in the Bank should be versus what they use it for. Money in the Bank should be Ricochet or Andrade. 
it should be a mark of the future that in the next 12 months we see world championship potential in this person who is not an unknown but is a mid-carder or fairly new to all of this. Yeah. They don't ever they have it, historically they don't use it that way. So given that they're not going to use it that way, I'm I'm a, I prefer Brock Lesnar over Randy Orton. Like yeah. <laughs> over the more obvious choices of of the participants in this match, Braun Strowman again would have been pretty stale. I also want to make a prediction for a very long-term piece of storytelling, if Brock Lesnar loses his cash-in, I think it's all for everything. That if Brock Lesnar loses his cash-in to make someone like Seth Rollins or Kofi Kingston or someone in that ilk look very, very strong, then I think it's worth a 19-minute match for him to win the briefcase because he doesn't want to participate in the match to then ultimately lose anyway and then be slayed as a, you know, to be a beast that's slayed. I don't know if they're thinking that long-term. I don't know. I don't know either. All right. Before we move on, I do want to add one thing about Ali is that I don't know how many people realize this because I didn't realize this. What a huge fan base he actually has. Um, one of, out of all the interviews I did WrestleMania weekend, his interview, I swear, did like quadruple numbers. The amount of comments of people just saying how much they love him was astonishing to me. I could not believe it. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how strong his fan base was. So I think that they really have something there with Ali. So just pointing that out. I think they know that, right? Like, yeah. so they would have if to, you right? could tell that yeah, off of your, they, they know. They could tell that off of their oh, YouTube yeah. channel too. But it was just news to me. I was just like, okay, well, now I'm seeing it. All right, but uh, <coughs> moving on to basically Raw the, the night after the big thing that happened was the announcement of the new bout with the 24 seven bout, which I guess Ooh. you can say sort of had some mixed crowd reactions and some mixed fan reactions all in general. Um, I don't think it was explained right. I don't think it was like, because like, the actual, once, okay, once the, you know, the title was won, <laughs> so to speak, like, and then all that stuff started happening, the people were into it, I thought. Well, I mean, it was good, it was, I thought it was good good TV, mm-hmm. like all the different, you know, title changes and, you know, R-Truth and, you know, like all those things. That's, I like that. Um, that being said, I think the the championship belt looks like shit, <laughs> and uh, and I just think that it's the name of it sucks. The twenty four seven title, like you know, there's got to be a, a a better way of like or doing just it. or just the WWE Network Championship I don't that know. it only gets defended on the WWE Network, but that has a twenty four seven rule because of the w, because of the nature of the WWE Network. Well, like I, I think, think they could have. 20, I don't like it either. I think the way he explained it was it was a 24-7 bout, but then he said something about the third hour of Raw. So it kind of got, okay, so it got a little jumbled there. But I think the fans got more excited once he said that anybody from any roster and yeah. even legends could come in and get this bout. Yeah, I think I might go have a fucking I, 24-7 title reign. Hey, <laughs> 2019, yeah. still early. Yeah, so, uh yeah. All right. Okay. And that was honestly the major thing that happened on Raw. Obviously, next week, Lesnar will announce what title he's going for. They were talking about that, so that's something to look forward to to next week. Mm-hmm. But that was pretty much the major things. I can't. I, I got to. I'm like, I'm picturing him coming out and, and like, you know, uh, cashing it in on both of them, but like, that's not. That doesn't help. Part any. of the rules, right? I mean. 
Like I could, like, well, it's one contract. So well, that would really make everyone happy. Have them just win both of them at the same fucking time, right? Oh no, beat both the guys. Or well, that would make sarcastically make everyone happy. <laughs> yeah, like, um, the only way that could happen is if there were a championship versus championship match. That he entered himself into, but then they wouldn't do that. It's yeah, they it can do whatever they want yeah. and then just explain it afterwards. True. <laughs> I think the very long-term storytelling they need, I'd like them to do is yeah. to make this about Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar and the Money in the Bank briefcase because okay. Seth Rollins' first championship was cashing in on Brock Lesnar, All right. but not pinning him. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, moving on to our last topic, on May 23rd, which is on Thursday, is the 20-year anniversary of the death of Owen Hart at the Over the Edge pay-per-view 1999, May 23rd, um, where he was scheduled to face the Godfather for the for the Intercontinental title, and unfortunately, he fell from he fell he was released prematurely from the rafters, falling 70 feet. That's he wasn't released prematurely. Exact what, what what happened exactly was he was hanging there, right? And there was a quick release latch on the harness that was connecting him with the cable, and his fucking feather boa from the blue blazer gimmick got caught in the in the in the latch and mm-hmm. the quick release thing. And when Owen pulled the fucking feather boa to get it untangled, it hit the switch and boom, he fell. And on the way down, like I remember, um, like Corderas, the referee, the, the he hit on the way down was actually yelling to him on the way down to watch it move out, like trying to warn him, like mm-hmm. you know. Anyways, yeah. Um, uh, Twenty. Years. I remember the day, like. I mean, not like it was yesterday, but kind of like it was last month. Or I mean, I it's I'm vivid, vivid memories of of that day, and um, like something like okay, it started off fucking wacky. We got to Kansas City, and I'm almost a hundred percent sure this is where that happened. Where yeah. this happened, I'm about ready to tell you. Well, no, oh, of sorry. course it happened. <laughs> I'm talking about another incident that I. Like that happened earlier in the day. It was um, that was. Did you ever hear about the the little skirmish that JBL and Steve Blackman got into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like JBL. Um, JBL was. You know, he liked to fuck with people. A bit, yeah, right. And you know, uh, it, he got on on Blackman's nerves a little too much, and you know, Blackman was like, you know. Uh, Anyways, he's not one to fuck with. And put it mildly. But he, JBL pushed him a little too far. And fucking Blackman snapped. And he went to punch John. And he got his foot caught in the strap of a fucking duffel bag sitting on the ground. This is all happening at baggage claim. We're waiting for our bags. And so as he's going to punch him, he got his foot caught in the strap. And he doesn't get the punch off. And fucking John teed him, hit him about like two, three times. Boom, boom, boom. And they broke it up. No one got hurt. Yeah. But it, like, it was fucked up for Steve because that's not how, you know, mm. Steve wants to, wanted that to go down. <laughs> but like that was like the how that fucking day started off. You so know? it's just like already like it's not a good day. That was a, yeah. Like because we could laugh and, and you know, everyone kind of like chuckled about the you know, the little pull apart at the fucking baggage claim, but that's never cool when because we all love each other. Like even the ones that, like 
we're not even the ones we like the least we love you know as far as our com- our colleagues in the locker room like we're all like we're a fucking family like especially like back then we're in the trenches together you know 300 days a year on the road and so um anytime something like that happens it's just it's not cool you know uh so yeah i, I mean there was a then and and so um we went and had a hell of a tag match Kane and I with Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown that no one no one talks about because you know it's it's totally overshadowed by So by your match happened. happened afterwards no, or before? before? No, my ours was the first match of the night okay. and we fucking crushed it. It was great. I I recommend if you like tag matches like go back and watch Kane and I versus Mark Henry and and D'Lo. And it was before any you know, before Owen fell. So everyone was, the, the crowd was great. The crowd was hot, you know, and um, and then I just remember after, you know, going and getting changed or whatever. And, and then I remember like kind of sitting off to the side of the entrance ramp. I wasn't in gorilla. I was kind of off to the side of the ramp or the stage. And, uh, and actually, I just remember Alicia uh, Webb, my ex, um, that was, Anyways, um, she came running up. We weren't going together at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't with her at the time. I was married. And uh, um, she was just crying hysterically, and then she just told me what happened. Like, you know, you know, and I didn't see the, the drop like she did. Like, it was, and then, you know, but I'm backstage, and, and I just, I remember... Him being wheeled back on the gurney and then working on him, and he was gray, and it looked like he was breathing though, but it was really like the the CPR and the mouth to mouth or whatever they were using for the, mm-hmm. you know, not the, you know, there's that thing that you squeeze like for the, it's kind of like mouth to mouth, but yeah. without um, having to fucking. I don't think it's a respirator. Whatever, but I don't it's like a, a, but like people know what I'm talking about. And I just and I remember and I vividly remember Shane. Like going, come on, Owen, come on! Like he was like, I just I, I vividly remember that, and then I I remember, um, you know, him being taken away, uh, like you know, an hour later, half an hour later, you know, we're all wanting to know what the fuck, and you know, they don't want to say anything to anyone, and the rest of the show goes on, and everyone's going out there in their match, all fucking just completely a mess, like everyone's just a mess. Right. And and I remember going up to Ed Ferrara at the time and I'm like, you fucking know, you know what's happening. He's, you know, and, I, and he goes, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. But they had never then said it to everyone. Yeah. So that's how you found yeah. out. And how did the rest of the talent find out I, until the announcement was yeah. made? Yeah. But like, I don't know. The mentality was like, you know, it's. Tell what like telling everyone before the show is over isn't going to maybe help anything, you know. Like, and I don't know, and I don't want to be too judgment judgmental on people, like because everyone can say this is what I would do in this situation, and we we think we're sure about that, you know. But if you've never been in the situation, you only think you know. Well, that's um, what I was going to ask you. I guess you can say there's two schools of thoughts whether or not that show should have been continued. Didn't like in hindsight, do you think you have a different opinion than what you had then? I don't. I'm not. 
I'm not condemning either. If no matter which way they would have gone with that, I'm not going to condemn it. No way. Nope. I'm, I'm not going to fucking. Yeah. I'm not going to tell somebody else that they should feel a certain way about it, though. I had a pretty, I don't want to say a strong opinion, but I was always, from an outsider's perspective, initially thought, oh, well, I don't know why they went on with the show until I actually met someone at a WrestleMania years ago who was at this show in Kansas City who told me their firsthand account was there was, they played a video package, something happened in the ring, the vast majority of the people didn't see it, Owen was wheeled out very quickly, and then the show kept happening. So from his perspective, he was saying that to end the show, to end the show would have just not seemed right to him. And it would have been very difficult to because at that point, well, how many matches? Four matches would have happened for a live show, a rabid crowd, a Sunday night pay-per-view at the height of at the height of WWE's popularity. Just get a bunch of people out of there. You would have to you would have to tell them why. Yeah. So, yeah. OK. Everyone's welcome to yeah, and like everyone's welcome to have their opinion on it, and everyone's welcome. Like, like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say you're wrong for having you know a certain feeling about that. So, Sean, did you at all, or do you know if Owen rehearsed this prior to the show? And did you see, did you see him rehearse this? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I don't know enough about that part. Like he very well may have. Um. Fuck. I tell you what, it wouldn't be me. Because, like, it would be, if I had to do that, it would be, I would do it one time. And that would be show fucking showtime. Mm-hmm. I am so fucking afraid of heights. There's no way. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he not want to do this spot? I, that's what, you know, I, he never told me he didn't want to do it. Some people said that. Some people said that. Yeah. And that, you know, I, that uh, very well may be the case. I, I fuck. It's scary as shit. I was gonna say it's, you saw Sting do it n- multiple times, right? Yeah. I was. I was gonna ask you if you had seen Owen do the rehearsal. I wanted to know if you saw a difference in terms of how that was executed. But now, now that I know that you didn't see Owen do it, it makes me wonder. Like. You know, we've it seems so natural, and we've seen Sting do it so many times, and we think, oh, yeah. it's no big deal, but it really is, though. Yeah. You know, but um, one of the other questions I had was, who called Brett to tell him what happened? Oh my God, I have no idea, no idea. But it was Vince that called Stu, because Stu is that's the father, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, wow, I just I remember Stu. I just remember, I remember, like, apparently Stu said something, like, you know, it was, it was, it was something along the lines of, like, it's, you know, wouldn't want to be Vince right now, a lot, something like, you know what Mm. I mean, just, you know, because all that weight's on Vince's shoulders, and it was, I thought it was really, you know, interesting, like, but to hear, I want to say interesting when I'm talking about again, son dying no, and our friend dying. But it's a perspective but, that to yes to hear that you're to hear you lost your son and the your first thought is, man, that's gonna suck for Vince. Like or like man, the whole world like everything's gonna fall on Vince. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it was something along the lines of I wouldn't want to be you right now, you know, something like that. 
I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, but like, yeah. promoter to promoter, probably to a certain extent of, man, this is. So now, obviously, afterwards, a, a lot of the Hart family, or maybe most of them, were upset with everything that went down. Right. So now, in terms of how the talent felt, was there an was there a struggle to kind of get everybody back on the same page after this? Thing happened where he's, you know, obviously there's this rumor going around, hey, he didn't want to do it and he was still forced to do it. And now, like, you know, this happened. And, you know, how do you kind of get back? Well, first on the of all, page? no one's forced to do anything. But um, you can feel pressured or, like, not want to be the one that rocks the boat and end up going along with something that you're not comfortable with. Uh, but I don't know how. I don't know how that can be blamed on on the company, like if we don't speak up, you know, um, something like that. Because it's not like, hey, I don't, I'm not, it's not like they're asking him to go out there and do something like incredibly offensive or politically incorrect and, and he's going, you know, uh, I don't want to do it, but I'm afraid to say anything. Like it's a little different. It's not. It's not the same thing. You know what I mean? It's. It's like this is just. It's hazardous, but it's. You know, not necessarily something you think somebody would be. You know, object to. Right. Well, I remember. Does that make any sense? Yeah, Am I explaining ago, myself right? Yeah. A while ago on the show, you mentioned something about not wanting to be the guy that says no to doing something like a dangerous spot, for example, like falling off the cage or something. Like you don't want to do it, but then you also don't want to be the guy that doesn't that says no. You know? Yeah. I remember you mentioned something along those lines, so I wanted to know that fell into that. You know? Oh, you talking about like what are you talking about when I did the thing of the. The you, cage when I came t- down on the cage. You, yeah, you talked about something like this earlier yeah. on the yeah. show, like yeah. Like so, last anyways, year or when something. I when we were setting up WrestleMania 15, Shane McMahon versus versus myself, uh, one of the um, one of the segments we did was Shane wasn't doing an in ring, and he was like, you know, talking to the camera, but he was talking to me, and he was shit talking, and ta- a cage lowered down. And I was not not like a little rat cage like you see right there, but a big cage, you know, a, a mm-hmm, yeah. cage around the ring. And it lowered from the roof. And I was on top of the cage when it lowered down. And the people went fucking, they fucking popped big. And I jumped down. And he was trapped in the cage with me. And I beat the shit out of him. And the place went nuts. And it was great. But I climbed from the, from the fucking rafters, you know, like that, the the catwalk mm-hmm. uh, on the on the ceiling, you know, like eighty fucking feet above the air, above the arena floor, and with no safety harness, with no any kind of safety equipment, I climbed over the catwalk, down onto the, you know, under uh, the cage, and held on for dear life. Like I was so fucking scared. If I would have sneezed, or if I would have had like some kind of a little twitch or something, I very well could have just fell, fell right the fuck off and died. My hands are sweating here. I, so, I was so fucking scared. So scared. But, you know, I was at the same time happy to do it. Does that, if that makes any sense to you, because it was some really cool TV. So there was my thing. Like, okay, I'm deathly afraid of heights. Shouldn't have probably done that, but they didn't have to twist my fucking arm to do it. They didn't. Right. So it's like, you know, 
I can sit and tell the story afterwards, but I'm not blaming them for mm-hmm. any of that. Like, we didn't, you know, I mean, it, the Owen thing obviously didn't happen yet. Else I would have never done that. So, uh, anyways. Well, you know, one of the things that I, t- I wanted to also talk about is that, you know, we don't want to just talk about the tragic death of Owen. You yeah. know, obviously it, it is the 20 year anniversary, but I wanted to actually ask you, you know, Owen was known for pulling ribs. I wanted to know if he ever pulled one on you. Uh, we pulled a lot together on others, other people. And uh, actually, Owen did. Like, he would. St- Okay, so there's this one time. <laughs> there's this one time, and Brett, Brett writes about it in his book. And it's we're all like overseas, and I can't remember where we were. Like we were definitely in either Europe or Israel or something like that. And um, I don't know what happened, but like I was going back and forth with Oscar from Men on a Mission. He's just like he's not a wrestler. He's just like this kind of you know. He's this overweight, like, rapper. Like, he's mm-hmm. not an athletic bone in his body. But, like, I was just fucking around with him, and Owen was stirring it up. And Owen, like, got it all stirred up to where, like... And I was just, like, playing around with, with Oscar, but, like, it got kind of physical. And, like, I started, like... Anyways, it got kind of physical to the point where, like... Owen, like, stirred... Stirred the pot so much that... It turned into a shoot for Oscar. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was like, you motherfucker, Owen. You know, I know I, I, I you had to be there. Mm-hmm. But, um, okay, so Owen and I, I remember Owen had a hard time sleeping. Owen and I, would we would travel together and share a room. And Owen would put fucking, um, uh, he would put shades over his eyes. And he would put... Like uh, he would tape the the curtains or put aluminum foil in the window to keep the sun out. He had that hard of a time sleeping. Uh, but and sometimes like okay, we were over. WWE did a tour of Japan in like '94, and we were over there together. And so we were both jet lag, and we were up fucking two in the morning, three in the morning, and we were we were. We were uh, we were bored, so Owen liked to prank call people, <laughs> and so like he got on the phone and kept calling JJ. JJ was the head of talent relations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was called talent relations yet, but JJ was over there with us. He was like, kind of like tour manager, JJ Dillon, and fucking so Owen just kept calling him, calling his room, kept him up all goddamn <laughs> night, and so Owen and I are in the pool, and here comes JJ, like you know, at like eight in the morning, and he looks like you could tell he hadn't fucking slept a wink. And just, I mean, it's not that funny, the, like as I'm telling it, but um, uh, yeah, Owen uh, on that same tour, there was this guy named Bill Dunn, and like he got drunk and, and like, oh, sorry, my phone went off just now. Uh, he got drunk and like cocked off to like I think Jack Lanza or like somebody that you need to have respect for, and that's all we needed. So um, I just remember. <laughs> I just remember Owen getting uh, t- telling the the front desk he needs a new key for his room, and like somehow he managed to get them to open the door to Bill Dunn's room, and we went in there. I was part of it, and like we took all his clothes, and like some people might think this is a dick move, and yeah, in hindsight it was, but it was fucking funny to us at the time. Uh, we ran the tub and dumped all his clothes in the tub, 
and then like bought all the dirty movies on the on the <laughs> fucking pay per view in the hotel. Took all the light bulbs out of the room and like put them in the top drawer of the dresser, like so you couldn't see anything. So like not only can you not see in there, you're like, you know, trying Did to find. Did the tub your, have water? Oh, water! Oh, all the fucking oh, clothes man. are wet. And then so we're on. We're this is the morning that we're going home. We're going back to this. Coming back to the states. You know, we're on our way to the airport, and he's not down there for the fucking bus. And it's like, God damn it, Bill! What the fuck? Hurry up! And he comes down. He's in like some, some fucking buddy's borrowed T-shirt. Like I think he's got an Ico Pro <laughs> ragtop sweatshirt that everyone used to have, and uh, you know some sweatpants, and he's all disheveled looking. You know, and it's anyways, yeah. He had to go home. Like that. <laughs> That's pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I can I can keep on going. And there's, I um, he used to fuck with Brett a lot too. And I don't know if Brett like gets sick of me telling this story. But one time we were driving together, and so Brett, Brett, it was when Brett and Owen were feuding, you know, after WrestleMania ten, you know, and so they were like the main event on you know this whole loop of shows up in Canada and. You know, Brett used to get a little bit annoyed with Owen when Owen would fuck with him or rib him, and it used to just make Owen want to do it some more, you know? The playful stuff for the most part. And so one time, like, they have the match, and and uh, and Owen goes out before the show, and he sticks a can of sardines under the ring. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, okay, they're in the match, and uh, he's getting heat on, on Brett. Owen's getting heat on Brett. Brett's down. He's vulnerable. Oh, Jesus Christ, my phone. Sorry. Uh, anyway, sorry about that, everyone. Right in the middle of my story. So Brett's, uh, Brett's down selling. Owen rolls to the floor, reaches under the ring, and just like sticks his hands on the sardines and gets his fucking hand off full of sardine juice. And he rolls back in and grabs Brett in a fucking rear chin lock and just rubs all the <laughs> shit in his face. They finish the match. Owen, um, Owen Hutt, because Brett... You know, after Brett wins, he takes this long, you know, victory lap, and it takes him like five minutes to, you know, soak in all the cheers and everything. And by that time, you know, Owen was out the door, and we were in the car, fucking gone, you know, before Owen got before Brett got. And back. did you know but, he was going to do that ahead of time? Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, one of the other things I wanted to ask you is, you know, not a lot of guys could work your style, but Owen could. What was it like working with? Oh him? shit. So, um, yeah, okay, people, like, always talk about my match with him at King in the Ring. It was, like, four minutes, and, you know, like, everyone goes, oh, it's the best four-minute match, four match of all time, and, you know, whatever. Like, it was it was a really good one. Uh, but we had a match, of, like, a month and a half later on Raw from, it was from Lowell, Massachusetts. And um, it was it was Owen and, Knight, and Jim Neidhart was on the floor, and... And I had a hell of a match. It was about seventeen minute match uh, with them, and and Jim was great on the floor. Like he popped up at the right time and really added to it. And uh, we did some really cool shit in there, you know. And but the thing that I loved about uh, working with Owen the most was we would do okay. Owen and I were the main event on on the B shows. You know what that means? Yeah. Like so, they had the A town and the right. B town, and it might even been the C town, uh, but. So we made more money on, like, oh, I'll just speak for myself. I made more money main eventing with Owen on the B shows and the little 
like we would do these little amphitheaters and outdoor musical tents like in in New England like uh um okay Anyways, War, like some people that might be listening have heard of these places. Warwick, Rhode Island, Musical, Tent, uh, you know, um, oh, fuck. Anyways, those types of things. Mm-hmm. But you'd be on top, so you'd get the on top money. Yeah, and, it, and it's cheap to run those venues. And the thing about it, too, was those little venues, it was like there was a stage in the round. And the only ring that would fit on there was this little 16-foot ring that had a, a nice amount of give to it. So, like, we could go out there and I could take bombs and it didn't kill me like the other fucking ring on the A-Towns. And Owen and I would go out there and we would just go out there and and just have a match. We would just do whatever. He would call stuff. I would call stuff. We would feel it out, feel the people. And it was like, it was like working with somebody that we read each other's minds, you know? Barely had to speak a word to each other. He could just grab me and, and fucking... Without even saying anything, like in the middle of the ring, just grab my head, jump up and monkey flip me, and I land on my feet. Shit like that. And and uh, that was one of the really great things about Owen that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know. And uh, and really, and I say this uh, with with all due respect to Brett, but if if Owen took it as serious as Brett did. Like, Owen would have been the fucking standout in that family as far as the wrestlers go. Because he had the physical, like, to me, he was better, like, physically, you know, technically, he was better in there. Mm. And, and Brett was, like, that is not taking away anything from Brett. Because to me, Brett is, you know, uh, a goat. And, 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 that, and a lot of the reason for that is because Brett took it so serious. Anyways. And I think maybe that's part of the reason Owen didn't. It's that if you're if you grow up around Brett, who is taking it so seriously, you have yeah. to find a different approach. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the approach he found. Of well, that's what hey. Brett's so the biggest do. rib of all, the fucking last rib, the last rib Owen pulled on everyone was when he went to his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was everybody was there. And I remember I was sitting next to Mick Foley. And uh, and I think Joni and and, uh, and and Hunter were in the same thing. Anyways, we were all crammed in there, and there was I don't know how I don't like I guess he was their family, like you know the church that they would go to or whatever. But it was this, it was like a southern, it was a black like an old like ninety year old Southern Baptist black preacher that did the service, and that fucking thing went on. And on and on and fucking on. And we and Mick Foley and me, we're all sweating fucking bullets. <laughs> and it was just the biggest rib ever. And good one, Owen. Good one. We miss you. And that was a hell of a rib. So, um, yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm just like visualizing like right? a sauna. Fuck it. We're just pouring <laughs> sweat. Pouring sweat. And I can just picture Owen like laughing his ass off like, you know. The, the image of him and you know looking down oh uh, yeah so yeah good yeah. good times yeah. so I, I personally really enjoy hearing like the ribs I know a lot of people have asked on Twitter for, for, on Twitter on Twitter for you to talk about more stuff like this so it was pretty cool to like hear it because like you know you visualize it you, you're like you pretend you're there and yeah. oh hey so here's another good one Owen real quick so um, 
there would be, you know, sometimes we would have tryouts on house shows. And uh, you remember Ahmed Johnson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony Norris? Uh, so we're in Houston at, at the old Compact Center, which is uh, Joel Osteen's church now. Uh, that's, anyways, 13,000, yeah. you know, the fucking, the Rockets used to play there. Anyways, um, so we're there for a house show, and I remember at the time, they were trying to transition Mike Rotundo from in the ring to being like an agent. And so he was there, and like Jack Lanza was there. And, you know, there were there was this like telephone where you could talk to the, where the sound guy was, you know, and tell him like, okay, hit so-and-so's music, hit so-and-so's music, do this, do that. So Owen just used to love fucking, uh, fucking one guys, like, and, and uh, so Tony North, a.k.a. Uh, Ahmed Johnson, is in the ring, and he's having his match. And right in the middle of the fucking match, Owen picks up the phone to the sound guys, and he goes, hit his music. <laughs> and they're like, what? He goes, hit his fucking music. And boom, they hit his music right in the middle of the match. And fucking, <laughs> oh, my God, Mike Rotundo's going, Matt, God damn it, Owen, fuck. <laughs> oh, it was, because Mike, so, Mike Rotundo is really mild-mannered. And if he wasn't the agent, he would have been laughing too. So uh, yeah, it's little things like that oh that kept that was like it was great having Owen Hart in your locker room and on your roster. It was amazing. It was fucking amazing being friends and knowing Owen Hart. Yeah, I could just I could probably come up with another one too, but we're gonna um, we'll save that for another time. We're done here today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously though. Um, yeah, that's about it for yeah. for the show today. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed me just rambling on about like miscellaneous shit, not having a guest. Um, but Denise, go ahead and yeah. like, take us home. Before we go, guys, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, xpoc12360, and on Twitter, xpoc12360show. Make sure to check us out. Also, if you haven't yet, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Those really help out a lot, so rate us five stars, guys, and leave some nice comments. Also, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, I'm at underscore Denise Salcedo and YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Also, there might not be a pre-roll in this, so I'll mention we're on Spotify now as well. Oh, good. Xbox 12360 on Spotify, so you can find us there if that's how you want to enjoy your podcasts as long as, alongside your music. I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in a lot of YouTube pages, including this one, Eric Bischoff's, Tony Schiavone's, Bruce Pritchard's, and Ric Flair's. All right. Well, I guess that's it, folks. Yeah. I hope you all tune in next week, because we'll be here. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXpoc and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 